Well, I've just kind of shook up the schedule this month, haven't I? Because the, the Lord gave me a message that was about purpose. It was about our work. Do you remember our ergon? And maybe if you're new with us tonight and you haven't been following along, maybe you'd like to go back to the last couple Wednesdays and the last Sunday and kind of catch up with us and see what we've been talking about. Because what we've been talking about is... When Jesus said he came to do the works of his father, he said, I work the work of the one who sent me. I work the works of my father. And I mentioned to you just in a brief recap that he didn't say, I I came to do my job and I'm going to do my job really good. And we also know that his job was a carpenter. And we also know that nobody says, "I I got a Jesus table. I got a Jesus chair. You should come over to my house and see them. I mean, there's never been one found that I'm aware of that has his initials carved into it, but we know he was a carpenter. But it wasn't his job that kept him going towards his goal, going towards his destiny. It was his work. It was what he was created to do and what he got his passion from. And he refused to be distracted because he knew his purpose. And so many of us in the world today Even I talk to adults, I talk to elderly, I talk to people of all ages, and they say, I don't know what I'm here for, Pastorina. I don't know what I was created on this earth to do. I don't know if I'm doing what God created me to do. Or they'll even point blank say, I don't know what I'm created to do. And I would really encourage you that if that's you, it is still today. Today is today. Amen? Sufficient for the day or the cares thereof that you spend some time in the presence of the Lord and say, Lord, what would you like me to do? What am I here for? And if you don't get an answer right away, ask two or three people, what do you think I'm really good at? Ask 25 people, what do you think I'm really gifted at? What do you think I'm really good at? Because you will find that whatever you really excel in, that's probably the desire of your heart, and that's probably something that the Lord wants you to do. If you have a dream that's bigger than your qualifications, it's probably a God dream because he's so much bigger than we are. Amen. So, Lord, we thank you that tonight you're going to talk to us as we're approaching Resurrection Sunday and we're approaching one of the greatest days that a Christian could celebrate, that Resurrection morning, Jesus being raised from the dead. Lord, we look at what his purpose was. We look at how he kept his face his forehead like flint, going towards what he was put here for, birth to die, and wouldn't let anybody distract him. And Lord, he did it. And because he did it, you were able to do what only you can do, and that was to raise your son back up from the dead. So Lord, we thank you that we too are called to a purpose created, destined for the one thing. Help us to discover that tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I found this quote, and I love it. It says, a friend is anyone that helps me reach my destiny. A friend is anyone who helps me reach my destiny. A lot of people say, oh, they're a good friend of mine, but they want to take you off course. They say, they're, oh, you know, they're, they're, they're one of my really good friends. They're, they're there for me when I'm down. I want to know, are they there for you when you're up? Are they there for you when you're working the works for which God sent you? 
A lot of times they're there for you when you want to go have a letdown day, have a recreate day. But are they there for you on the day that you really need them? If you remember, the disciples were with Jesus in the garden, and Jesus asked them, he said, could you pray a while with me? And he came back and he found them what? Sleeping. And so he went away again, and he came back again, and he found them doing what? Sleeping again. And finally he said, just sleep on. You know, you have some friends that you just need to let them sleep on. Because where you're called to go and what you're called to do, they can't come. They can't do it. So don't measure other people by your yardstick. Is that fair? You know, some people's yardstick is just different because God created them to do different things. There are some people's yardstick is they are created to be a mother. They're to birth children. And you know what? They do a really good job at it. And there are other women that that's not their work that they were created for. And yes, they procreate. And yes, they have children. And yes, they love their children. But you know what? They can't wait for that six weeks to be over and for them to be able to go back to work and go back to the job that they were doing because they get their satisfaction out of that. Perhaps they're a school teacher. And they, they, they want to be with lots of children, not just their own children. So we can't judge one another by our calling, by our destiny, and by our purpose. Amen? And so often we just want to have friends that are like us. But can I tell you, there'll be a lot of friends that are not like you when you're doing the works of he who sent you. Jesus had to some point in his destiny, in his journey to his purpose, walk alone. Carry the cross alone. And when he carried the cross alone, somebody else had to say, hey, you, help him pick up that cross and carry it, right? wasn't his best friend, wasn't the ones that were sticking closest to him. On the night he was betrayed, a lot of people left him. wasn't just one or two. Don't be surprised when people leave you. Don't be surprised when people betray you. I heard someone say even today, even Jesus had a Judas. So we're born to do something, and that something if we're following God, is already completed. He's Alpha and Omega. He calls it done. He sees it done. You might see it as a big mountain that you've not even crossed yet, but he sees it done. And so when he calls you to do something and you're having one of those overwhelming days, one of those days where you feel like quitting, one of those days where you feel like a less than, one of those days where you feel like you kicked the cat, you cussed at the dog, and we won't even say where you went with your spouse, right? Then just remember, no, it's okay. Jesus sees it done. John Maxwell said this, and if you don't know who John Maxwell is, he's a famous author, uh, a leadership coach, you know, been around forever. He said, I want to make a difference in people's lives who make a difference in people's lives. Not just at the right time, but for the right reason. Amen? And whenever you see God starting to do something in your life, and you feel unqualified, that's a good thing to feel. Do you really think that Jesus, when he started to see the scriptures unfold, when he went to the synagogue and he opened it up and it fell to Isaiah 61, and he started reading, this day the, the, Lord, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me to set at liberty those that are captives, to open blind eyes for me to set the captives free. Do you think he thought, I am qualified to do this? But you know what? He didn't let his feelings of being disqualified 
because of how he felt stop him. Instead, after he was reading, he closed the book and he said this. He said, today, these words have been fulfilled in, in your sight, in your hearings, didn't he? Because why? He knew that God said it and that settled it. Everybody say that. God said it. That settles it. All right? So whenever you see God start something, be confident that he can finish it, that he is in the finishing business. He is that omega, not just that alpha. So when you might say to yourself, how do you become an influencer? How do you leave an influence? It's a divine imperative that every human being is birthed to influence and dominate life. From Genesis, it says, be fruitful and multiply and, what was it? Have dominion. That means we have dominion over our feelings. We have dominion over our um, emotions, over our body, over where we go, over what we do, over what we say. We have dominion. We may say, the devil made me do it. The devil can't make you do anything. Amen. All right? And so fame is like a flame. It goes out. So we're not here to be famous. We're not here to be a flame and be hot one day and then out the next, Right? Influence lasts beyond a lifetime. Influence does not mean popular. A lot of Christians, you know, they have the idea that they want to be a popular. They want to be a, a really uh, rock star praise and worship leader. They want to be a really well-known children's church department. Or they just want to be well-known in their church. They want to be the popular person, you know. I remember the old ladies in the church that I grew up in, growing my children up in. There were two old ladies, and I say that with all due respect, and my girls called them the candy ladies. And my girls loved to come to church. They would run up to the oldest ladies in the church, and they always had their pockets full of candy. And they'd reach inside their pockets, and they'd give my two little girls candy. And they, they got to the point where they wouldn't even look at me and say, Mommy, can we go get candy? Because they knew the answer was going to be yes. Because I thought, if my little girls want to come to church and run to the ladies that give them candy, well, that's one memory that they're going to have is when I went to church, there were some old ladies that gave me candy. And so one of my goals is I want to be one of those old ladies. So over there where I sit, there's a Tupperware box, and it's full of candy. And the kids that have been coming here for a long time know they can run up to Pastorina. I kind of give the mom a look, and they give me a thumbs up, and I let the kids pick, a box, pick something out of the box of candy. And if they bring a friend, they just take that friend right with them because they know that friend can have whatever's in that box too, right? So influence does not mean popular. This may surprise you. Popular comes from the word population. Can I say that again? Popular comes from the word population. So some of the population may like you today and not like you tomorrow, which was the case with Jesus. So I suggest we do this. Develop an, a more than average handshake. Develop a more than average smile. Take an interest in others. Because you know what? Somebody may just need the handshake. They may just need the smile. They may just need somebody to reach out to them. And we're going to have a great opportunity to do that because one of the biggest Sundays in any church is resurrection morning. And there's always lots of visitors. And so I always say, have this kind of ministry. In other words, if somebody's within your arm's reach, reach out to them. Amen? So just do that right now. Just say, if anybody's in, within arm reach, I'm going to reach out my arms to them. Amen. So when we're talking about this, you know, Matthew 13, 33 is talking about yeast. But you know what's interesting about yeast? It works its way into the dough. It, it makes a difference and it makes an impact. 
I could work real, real hard on Easter Sunday's dinner and try to make hot cross buns or Easter rolls or Easter bread, but if I left out the yeast, it wouldn't be what I wanted it to be. Wouldn't turn out very good. And so when we're talking about being effective, I want you to think about how effective yeast is. Because we're to be that effective and then some. Not just the salt, not just the light, but the love of Christ, the presence of Christ. God lives in eternity, but time has no measure. We were put here in time to make an impact, born to influence time, and we don't really have very long to do it. We don't have the 999 years that I talked about that Methuselah had. Some people don't even have the 33 years that Jesus had. That's why I believe that the Lord says, this is the day the Lord has made. And so how are we using our 24 hours? Never let phrases define you, all right? Like, well, you know, the day's half over, your life's half over, you know, you're old now, you're too young, you're not intelligent enough, you know, you don't have enough influence, you haven't gone to Bible college. No, you don't put any of those phrases on you. The reason being... God didn't put phrases like that on anybody. He didn't even put phrases like that on Jesus. You know what kind of phrases he put on Jesus? This is my beloved son. This is whom I'm in well pleased. Hear ye him. Everything Jesus said was a positive affirmation to others, and he learned that from Father God, giving Jesus positive affirmations. Do you know it takes like five to ten affirmations for every negative you hear? Some of the resources I looked at said it takes 25. So if you give one person, uh, well, you really didn't do that very well, you need to give them fives. You did this, this, and this, and this, and this really well. If you one thing you didn't like, you need to give them at least five things that you did like. All right? And that's kind of hard to do because, you know what? We always tend to see what's wrong rather than what's right. I'm asking the Lord to wash our eyes that we can start seeing what's right. Amen? So don't get attached to value or phrases because they change. Winters become summer. Summers become fall. And falls become winters. And so we have to live with phrases. But we also know this. God has thoughts and plans for us regardless of our season. He says, be instant what? In season and out. God's more concerned about our success than we are. God needs us to succeed. You may not think he does, but he needs us to succeed. We're on God's mind. Reputation means this, namesake. Reputation means namesake. When you say they have a good reputation, sometimes you'll say this, they have a good name. I believe in that name, Procter Gamble. I, re, I believe in the name Sears and Roebuck. I may, I may be saying things that aren't even in business anymore, you know, and some aren't, but... We believe in them, and we believe in them in part because they have a good, what? Reputation or a good name. And manufacturers really protect their name. When there's a massive recall, what happens to the name of the product? It goes down. So if I'm not successful, God's image, which I'm created in, is in danger. Think about that for a minute. We cannot fail because God protects us. He protects us because his reputation is on the line. 
Jesus' repu- God's reputation was on the line when Jesus did what he did on the cross. Because why? I only do the works of him who sent me. If he's doing what his father told him to do, then you know what? If he can't get it done, whose reputation is on the line? God the Father. All right? So even if you're stick-necked, stiff-necked and complain, he says this in the scriptures, I will prosper you for my name's sake. That's why God says this, do whatever it takes. So how do we do that? You find your purpose, and when you find your purpose, you find your energy. Today, I had um, a lot to do, and I wanted to get an exam done for my doctorate. I wanted to get a paper written. I wanted to prepare for tonight, and I wanted to prepare for Sunday so that the media team and the IT team could all have their scriptures. So I had a lot to do, but I had so much energy because I knew what my purpose was. It wasn't just a to-do list. Because a lot of times your to-do list is not your purpose. But I had a purpose when I was doing what I was doing. Because if I can finish what I'm called to do, then it proves to me and it proves to you, you can do what you're called to do. God's no respecter of persons. He's got you on his mind. So when you find your passion, you find your energy, you find your love, you find your enjoyment, and it sets you apart A person with passion stands out. It distinguishes them. Not only that, it gives them spiritual strength. So when you find your passion, you find your spiritual strength, then we do have this part of us that our weaknesses are just drained away. We don't even think about your weaknesses. When you're working in your strength, you're not worried about your weakness. You don't even think about your weakness. People say, what should I do about my weakness? Don't pay attention to it. Because you can spend your whole life trying to make your weak area your strength, and it never will. But if you work in the area that you're strong, you can become even stronger. Whatever he tells you to do, he will do for his namesake. Don't be afraid to tell your dreams. Don't be afraid to make an announcement that you can't pay for. God's name is on it. God's name is on it. If a fish can't swim, who fails? God. If a bird can't fly, who fails? God. If a seed can't produce, who fails? God. Because he created all things with a purpose, and when they do that purpose, it is effortless. Did you ever see a fish going, oh, I'm just trying so hard to swim? Did you ever see a bird going, I'm really trying to fly? I mean, maybe in the spring when they first get kicked out of the nest, but after that, they kind of get the hang of it, right? Built into the car is a fuel that it needs. It needs gas. Built into our life are the laws. Remember I talked about laws and principles and how if we work with them, then we succeed. If we work against them, we don't succeed, we fail. Orange juice doesn't run a car, right? We all know that. We have to submit to the laws of God in order for things to work. And laws are given to create success. Fish never leave water. Seed never leaves soil. Only humans test the laws. And I had shared that part with you. And I said that when we leave the laws, we often lose our purpose. When we decide to leave the spirit worlds, the spirit realm, when we decide to leave the word of God, which is our bread, when we decide to leave praise and worship and we're not under the anointing, then we lose our strength. 
We lose our purpose when we decide to give ourselves over to something less than what we were created for. Ooh, that's a good place to say amen. So if we loosely keep moving ahead, then we're not going to be successful. And that is not going to bring God glory. What's he say? He rejoices in the what? Prosperity of his saints. And do you pay for things that are less than? Do you pay to go see an average football team? Pay to go see an average musician? Pay to go see an average movie? No, you pay for things that are good, and you pay more money for things that are great, right? So I want to talk to you about uh, seven things here, and they all are very important when we're talking about the seed because God says the kingdom of God is as if a man planted a seed. So would you answer this question with a, a yes positively, whether it was in the natural between a man and a woman or whether it was between an apple or an orange or a flower or whatever, the seed must be in the right location. Yes or no? The seed must be in the right location. Absolutely yes. All right, so within you, do you think God made a mistake when he put a seed of greatness in you? When he put the seed of wanting to be a real estate agent or the seed of wanting to be a beautician or the seed of wanting to be a children's church minister or the seed of wanting to write songs or play music, do you think that was a mistake? No, because God doesn't make mistakes. And so if the seed is in you, it's in the right location. All right. The second thing is when the seed's in the right location, and all my farmers in here will know this, there has to be a time of isolation. An isolation where it's hidden underground. A lot of us, the seed's in the right location, and as soon as we realize what it is, we want to run and go do that thing without that period of isolation. And can I tell you, my isolation period was a long time. But during your isolation period, what can you do to keep your dream alive, to keep that seed where it needs to be, to keep it in the right location? I would suggest that you listen to CDs, you listen to tapes, you listen to uh, MP3s, you listen to podcasts, you listen to uh, Audible books on Audible, you listen to any free resources that you can get your hands on, and you study to show yourself approved, rightly dividing the word. Spend time in the Bible, spend time by yourself. Some of us get so busy we don't spend time in the presence of God. So we have this seed in the right location, but we have no times of isolation. It's recreate, recreate, go, 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 go. And if you keep picking the seed up and moving it and moving it, picking the seed up and moving it, it will never take root. If you keep exposing it to light, it will never germinate. We have to have periods of darkness in our life. So after you find the right location, after you do isolation, number three is there's germination. Germination is what I call the self-discipline stage. It's where we're going to develop ourselves. We're going to change. We're going to work on ourselves. We're going to germinate. We're going to personally develop things that we haven't developed for a while. And we're going to find others to hang out with that germinate us. You know, my girls bought me a lilac bush. And every year... I'd go out, and I was so sad. It was green with leaves, but I never not got one flower. 
Not one lilac, and I love lilacs. It's like one of my favorite flowers. I love the smell of them, and I like the purple ones, and I just didn't have one. And then one year, don't ask me how, I got one little flower. And I ran out, and I looked at it, and I thought, oh, I'm going to cut it, and I'm going to put it in the house in a, in a little vase, and I cut it, and I put it in the house, and I never got another one after that. And somebody told me, you can never plant one lilac bush. You always must plant two because they germinate one another. And when your first buds come on, you leave them alone because the birds will come and the bees will come mostly and they'll germinate between your plants and you'll start to have more. Now, I didn't research that, but I did just kind of get rid of my lilac bush. All right? So location, isolation, germination, and then the fourth thing doesn't rhyme, but it's water. The seed constantly has to develop. And so how do you do that? How do you water yourself? And I want to encourage everybody to do this. And you're going to say, oh, Pastor Rena, please don't ask us to do that because we don't want to be disobedient to our pastor. But I personally like to read two books a month. Can you just read one? Can you just listen to one? Can you listen to a half of one? All right? Constantly develop yourself. You know, get onto a CD a month club or an MP3 podcast a month club, anything, because value makes a difference in results. When you increase your value, your results go up, and when you increase your value, anybody that you come in contact with increases themselves in value. So the more word that you know, the more word that you can share the more examples that you have of how the word has worked in other people's lives. Did you know I didn't realize that Barbara Walters talked with a lisp? And she had to overcome that lisp. And who doesn't in this room know who Barbara Walters is? Winston Churchill had a learning disability. And he wasn't a good articulator, but he's known as one of the greatest orators or speakers of his time. There are some runners that I could tell you their names, and you probably wouldn't know them, but they were born with club feet, but they ended up being some of the greatest runners. People that have the greatest things to overcome often become the greatest overcomers. Sometimes it's just too easy for us, and when it's just too easy, we pay no attention to it whatsoever. So value makes a difference in revolts. We primarily get paid for value, not the time we spend at our job. Hear that. We primarily get paid for our value, not just the time we spend on our job. Number five, if you're taking notes, is fertilizer. So location, isolation, germination, water, and fertilizer. Refine and refresh and program yourself. Stay away from negative people. Protect your spirit. If you can't overcome them with a positive influence, then they're minusing and dividing you, not multiplying you. Choose those you spend time with and leave people when they become a distraction from your purpose. He, told, he said, get behind me, Satan. Sometimes you have to put people behind you. I read this just the other day. It says that if you can't disassociate from some of your family members that are not good for you, that cause you to be less than the believer that God has called you to be, then you'll never be able to take down your enemy. And then they used David. And David's brothers, his father sent him to his brothers to bring his brother's lunch. His brothers started making fun of him. 
So what have you come down here for? Who do you think you are? What are you going to do? And then he said, is there not a cause? And at that moment, he went like this to his brothers and said, I'm going about my father's business. And he took what he had. He took what he had in his hand. He tried on somebody else's stuff, but Saul's armor didn't fit him. His Saul's armor had not been tested, but he took what was in his hand that he had tested, and God made it enough. Can I tell you, what God has in your hand is enough to take down every enemy, but you may have to disassociate from some family members that take you down. And see, I'm not making this stuff up because other places in the Bible says, he who has ever left father and mother for my sake, right? Who's left houses for my sake. Sometimes for the sake, you have to leave things. Do you think it was easy for Jesus to leave everything? I don't think it was. He even looked down from the cross and he said, who is my mother? He told one of the disciples, he said, take care of her. Amen? Number six is time. Use time wisely. Accept the process because process is necessary. Jesus used his time wisely. He said, I'm going over here to pray. He said, you, you go on ahead. I'm going to walk. And what's he say? I'm going to be alone. You know what he did? He wanted to be in isolation. Then even on the, on the boat, he went downstairs and he took a nap. You know what? Sometimes you need to isolate yourself and rest and not let the world just keep pulling on you. You know, there's another... Uh, great writer that I read this, and he said, even, even the courageous get weary from the fight and become cowards when they don't rest. All right. All right. The next thing, number seven, is patience. Can you delay gratification? Can you save? Save doesn't mean just money. Save might mean resources. Save might mean your own energy. I remember when I was a praise and worship leader, I had to delay gratification. I may have wanted ice cream on my way here, but as a praise and worship leader, I could not have ice cream and then sing because it gave me too much phlegm. I couldn't eat big dinners before I came to nighttime service. I'd have to eat after nighttime service because when you're a singer, you can't get the oxygen that you want and you burp or you belch or you do things in singing that you just can't do. I know that one of our praise and worship leaders can't eat saucy foods like spaghetti. That's a big deal because the acid causes her not to be able to sing as proficiently as she would like. There are other people that do things for the church that have to patiently delay gratification and save. They have to study. They have to do a lot of things so that when God calls upon them, they're ready to fulfill the purpose for which they were created. Amen? So for things to change, what must change? We must change. That's exactly right. We have to work harder on ourselves than we work on our jobs. Did you hear that? You have to work harder on yourself than you work on your job. In other words, if you want to do a better job, or you want to work the works for which you were created, sometimes you have to work on yourself. Jesus was always in the synagogues. He was always studying. You could find him listening to rabbis. You could find him listening to teachings. Go through the Bible, and it says even when he was young, 
his parents lost him and he said, did you not know what? I'd be about my father's business and he was in the temple and he was listening to the other rabbis. So whatever you have to do to do what you're called to do, that's the place you put your energies. Prioritize and organize your time. Become more than what you are. You know that greater is he who lives in us than he that is in the world. Now, if you really believe that, that greater things will you do because he went to the Father and he's seated at the right hand of the God, and you believe that, then you've got to be working on you. Right? How can you do greater things if you've not done the small things? If you've not laid hands on your own head when you have a headache and you run to the aspirin cabinet, you're not working on your faith. If, if every time you get sick, you run to the doctor instead of listening to Norval Hayes or quoting healing scriptures, there's 101 healing scriptures by Keith Moore, PDF. You can just type in Google, 101 healing scriptures, PDF, Keith Moore. And it comes up and there's four pages of them. And since my grandchildren have practically been born, every time they spend the night with me, I read all four pages. Usually, by the time I start the first page, Ethan's asleep. And by the time I finish the fourth page, Zach is quoting them with me. Amen. All right? But I know they're getting in there. Are they in you? Amen? Are they in your grandchildren? Are they in your children? Are they within? All I have to do is hit that and it comes right up on my phone. And when something goes wrong with me, immediately that's what I'm drawn to. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word. Do you have faith in the purpose for which you were created? If not, you're not hearing enough. Can I get an amen tonight? Amen. All right? Income never far exceeds personal development. Ooh, that's a good one, isn't it? Income never far exceeds personal development. A nurse personally develops. She goes to nursing school. She, you know begins to be trained on different floors. Maybe she's an OBGYN for a while. Maybe she's an EER for a while. Personally, she's developing herself, and a nurse can you know, make anywhere from $25, $35, $45. Why? The more she develops herself, the more money she makes, right? The more, if, if you're a, a, an oral surgeon, you make more than a regular dentist, right? If you're a heart surgeon, you make more than a regular you know, family practitioner, true? So, I know that money doesn't um, make everybody want to do something, but I can't tell you this. People are made for a reward. You're created for a reward. God works on the reward system. If you do this in Deuteronomy, you'll have this. If you obey me, you're going to have a place in heaven where you walk on streets of gold and there will be gates of pearl. Is it true? All right? You'll have crowns that you can lay down his feet. God is a rewarder of those who what? Seek him. And so we work on a reward system, whether you want to believe it or not. And people innately want a reward. Even if that reward is good job, even if that reward is, I recognize that and I appreciate that. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. That was a reward. That was an attaboy. Amen? Show me my gift and I'll show you how you can be powerful. Show me your gift, and I'll show you how you can be powerful, how you can influence others. Humble beginnings 
qualify you for greatness. Abraham Lincoln, Jesus Christ, Kenneth Copeland. Think of everybody who had a humble beginning. Billy Graham had great success. If you're starting out small, you can become greatest of all. Amen? So let me just talk to you as I I get ready to close here about a couple things that we can really look at with Jesus with this Resurrection Sunday coming. And that is when we have come into mature sonship, which is what Jesus did. And remember, sonship is not male child. Sonship is what? Family name bearer, right? So when we come into being children of God that carry the family name, we no longer have a partial understanding of God's love. Malachi 4, 5, and 6 says, By turning the hearts of the father to the children and the heart of the children to the father. Notice it was the fathers who were prepared first by the Elijah anointing, followed by the children's Elisha's hearts that were turned to them. The goal of family restoration is the father's heart. Creation is groaning for those who manifest the Father's love to every creature, every babyhood, every childhood, every manhood. When we begin to walk with God and we start growing up, we start learning things that we didn't know. Listen to what Proverbs 29, 21 says. He that delicately brings up his servant from a child shall have him his son at length. I believe I have lots of sons and daughters. Some of you are in this room. Some of you are watching by live stream. Why? Because you came to the church, you got born again, and you just wanted to serve. And in serving, you became a son or daughter of the house. How much more so when you serve your heavenly father do you become a son or daughter of the kingdom? Scripture teaches that there's a transition from servanthood to sonship. If you've never been a servant, you can never be a son. Where the testing of the character and motives are revealed in God's light. When Elijah cast the mantle upon Elisha as a sign that the young man was beginning to be called into his spiritual parenting relationship, Elisha began walking together with Elijah as his protege, who would learn servanthood first, not claiming to be equal with his spiritual father. And then in 1 Kings 19.21, it says, Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him, And ministered means served. When we say, would the ministers come forth? That's just the servants. They just serve in the house. Anybody can be a servant because a servant fits anywhere. Really and truly, you're all ministers. Truthfully, right? Serving is vital because it requires humility as our character is formed in the image of Christ. And new protégés often need freedom from an orphan or independent spirit that seeks to promote itself in the eyes of spiritual leadership, rather than take the place of a servant who's just learning to be faithful in that which is another man's. Because if we're faithful in another man's, what happens? God gives us your own. That's exactly right. All those who have entered into spiritual parenting relationships will begin as a servant where faithfulness is proven. And if we enter into that relationship and faithfulness is proven, a faithful man is what? Bound to be blessed. That's right. Next scripture is Philippians 2.22. It says, But you know the proof of him, that as a son with the father, he hath served me in the gospel. So mature sonship, or a mature family name bearer, is always characterized by their servanthood, how they serve their father. Jesus served Father God, and he's known as the greatest son of God, right? So it takes a son to even see the father, 
This childhood stage of relationship where we begin to have intimacy with spiritual parents, we are secure enough to start letting them see into me, that's intimacy, and see our hearts. That's where healing begins. That's where trust begins. And trust is always based on love. And this is a goal of any relationship. We trust God that he loves us, so we're going to listen to him and serve him because we know he's got our best interest at heart. Same way with the leadership we have in our church. Being healed of insecurities makes my relationship with the Heavenly Father more intimate and more full of faith. God the Father uses this spiritual parenting relationship with those who have the Father's heart to bring healing and restoration. Jesus had that kind of intimacy with his Father. He could see his Father's heart. He could see his Father's love. And he wanted to to imitate it. When we're born again, we start walking as a son or a daughter. We need to grow and become more intimate with the Father. John 1.18 in King James Version says this, No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. And then in John 14.9 it says, If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Hebrews tells us that God has spoken to us in these last days by his Son. And he revealed that message to us. Jesus showed us that it's possible to obey your Father even unto death. It takes a son to show a father. This is the manhood stage of Christ-likeness that results from a healthy spiritual parenting relationship where insecurity and rejection and fears have all been dealt with and we're able to give and receive love. Someone said, your greatest problem is life is whatever hinders you from giving and receiving God's love. Let me say that again. Your greatest problem in life is whatever hinders you from giving and receiving God's love. Jesus said this, the Father seeks such that worship him in spirit and in truth. That's John 4, 24. So just as a son knew the Father and seeks relationship with him, we've got to know God and seek relationship with him and believe what he said. Before you in your mother's womb, I created you. I knew you. I know the purposes that I have for you, saith God. A a future that is good. Amen? We know that 1 John 4, 17 and 20 says this, and this is my last scripture if the praise team can come. In 1 John 4, 17 through 20, it says then, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. I'm in 1 John 4, 17 through 20. There is no fear in love, but perfect love cast out what? Fear. Because fear hath torment. He that fears is not made perfect in love. We love him because why? He first loved us. If a man say, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen. How can he love God whom he's not seen? And this is the commandment have we from him, that he who loves God loves his brother also. It takes a son, takes a family name bearer. It takes a child of God, someone who's born again, who doesn't mind 
being isolated, doesn't mind times of germination, doesn't mind times where they have to water themselves. It doesn't mind times where maybe sometimes they feel like they're in darkness. It takes those times where we see the cross, we count the cost, but we know we've been commissioned and we know that whatever we're called to do, it's done. All we have to agree. And when Jesus was on that cross before he arose on resurrection morning, he said what? It is finished. I don't know about you, but every resurrection morning, I'm reminded I can finish. I can run the race. I will not be distracted. I will not be deterred. I may have to let go of some people. I may have to let go of some things I like. I may have to be more disciplined than others in some areas, but I can do it because God has called me to. He's no respecter of persons. Jesus is the firstborn of many sons and daughters. Hallelujah. Would you stand to your feet tonight? Say this with me. I am created for a purpose. I am on assignment. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I can be who God says I can be. For greater is he that lives in me than he that is in the world. Even today, I am beginning to have a resurrection in my life because I have died to myself that I might live for him. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you that you've heard our prayer tonight, that you've talked to us and that you've, you've been with us through these last several weeks. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that on Sunday morning as we come in here, we come in with expectance. That, 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 that all the lanterns would be here, but Lord, those that come would bring the oil. And as they bring the oil, Lord God, and they fill the lamps, I thank you, there'll be a fire of God that will consume us a fire of God that will purge us, a fire of God that will reveal, Lord God, what you want to be revealed. I thank you for the praise team. I thank you that protect everyone that's traveling, Lord God. I thank you that you protect everyone, Lord God, that's having people come into their homes from any uh, viruses, from any uh, variants of COVID. I thank you that we are a healthy congregation. Hallelujah. That we are not the sick trying to be made well, but we are the healed. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you for being with us tonight. We love you. We'll see you Sunday morning at 9 a.m. There'll be a ballet and communion and then we'll see you at 10:45. there'll be a ballet there will not be communion at the 10:45 service because there is going to be a children's program following our second service so we'll see you sunday happy resurrection sunday